This is episode 13 with Paul Maskell. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, Men of Abundance? Today's episode is pretty damn awesome, if I say so myself. It is a great conversation with Paul, but before we get into that, I want to remind you that you can get in on the conversation and ask any questions that you may have in that private community. To do that, just go to Facebook and search for Men of Abundance Community, click on the green button, and I will give you access. Or just simply go to the show notes of this episode, episode 013, Click on the link in the show notes and it will take you directly to that Facebook community. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss one single episode. And if you like what you're hearing, go to iTunes and rate and review this show so that it can get pushed up in the ratings and other men can find us that much easier. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Paul before we bring him on the show. Sitting in a cubicle for 12 hours a day while building someone else's business was not Paul's idea of living the dream. So he quit. Then, in 2011, he invested in his first TGA franchise, combining his business experience with his passion for sports. TGA brings golf and tennis to students through after-school programs, summer camps, and family events. Paul grew his business to four franchises, impacting thousands of kids with $420,000 in annual revenue. In 2015, Paul sold his franchises for six times his initial investment and three times profit. Paul was then hired by TGA and is in charge of business development. Now that short bio does not explain why I decided to introduce Paul to Men of Abundance, but you're going to soon see why. Paul, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Wally. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing really good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So you're out in Raleigh, North Carolina? I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. And at the time of recording, it's hot and steamy summertime. Oh, I don't miss those summers out there. I definitely <laughs> do not miss those summers. But then I was in I was in Fayetteville for a while, and um, I was there during one of the hurricanes many years ago. And I came outside one day. The weather there is just so crazy. I came out one side today, outside one day, and my car was covered in probably an inch of ice. Wow. <laughs> the entire car. I literally had to chip away at the at the door just to get into it. It was amazing. <laughs> that, and, uh, I mean, I, that sounds like Raleigh. It's It could be uh, 80 one day and then it could be 30 the next day, especially in the, the fall, winter, and spring. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It is crazy out there. So I'd give up a little bit of your bio before we start the show, but let's learn a little bit more about you, talk a little bit about yourself, and let's get a little bit personal. Yeah, so uh, like you said, I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been living here for about six years. Before that, I had lived in Chicago. So I used to, you know, as you mentioned, live the corporate America dream uh, for several years in Chicago, and it just wasn't rewarding, wasn't fulfilling. Didn't feel like I was adding any value to anybody, including myself. So uh, I decided to quit and uh, was looking to do something more rewarding, more fulfilling. And uh, that's when I invested in my first TGA franchise after uh, quitting my job in Chicago, traveled around South America for a couple months, figure out what I want to do. 
ended up here in Raleigh and uh, invested in my first TGA franchise. So that was 2011. I was able to impact kids, get them moving after school. It was a rewarding opportunity uh, and also was able to build a business by the more kids I impacted, the more kids that we got playing golf and tennis after school, uh, the better our business did and the more people that we got uh, working for us. So creating jobs, impacting the community, getting kids active and giving them life skills uh, that they're able to learn through golf and tennis. So did that for about five years, uh, got married along the way, just had a first baby, first baby girl got here about a month ago and uh, sold all my franchise at the end of 2015. And now I'm actually have the opportunity to work with all the franchise owners around the country and world as well as prospective franchise owners to uh, help them fulfill their dreams and uh, own their own business and, you know, in a rewarding uh, atmosphere. So you mentioned that you were in South America. We'll definitely get into that a little bit later, maybe on a personal level, because those were my stomping grounds for about four years in you know, okay. around South and Central America. In fact, my wife's from uh, Central America, from Panama. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, my wife is uh, from Colombia, so pretty pretty close to uh, right next door to each other, actually. It is, it is. And I actually, <laughs> uh, my, my experience with Colombia was sitting on the tarmac at the airport there for a short while on my way to Bolivia. But, oh, and, and we had to pick up some, of course, the, uh, the uh, I think it was the pilot of the plane that we was in had to pick up like a crate of uh, coffee. There you go. <laughs> I'm that, hoping, I'm assuming it was coffee because we were in yeah. a military aircraft. <laughs> yeah, they're, they are known for coffee, so they, I would not be surprised. Yeah, it was literally a, a crate. I mean, a pallet. It was they, <laughs> they loaded it on with a forklift. So that was an amazing experience, to say the least. Wow, very cool. So, yeah, so that, that all of that, that whole package, everything you just said there, and what I mentioned in the bio, is what really intrigued me about introducing you to Men of Abundance, because... Here you are living the cubicle life, and then, you know, just not, you know, the, the, the regular story there, not feeling fulfilled, not, not doing what you want to do, and then getting into franchising, and a franchise on top of that that directly impacts the community through the children, and, and then the physical activity with the tennis and the golf. I mean, you're just the whole package of exactly who I want to introduce to Men of Abundance. But I know for a fact, I mean, it, it all sounds like roses and it was fun <laughs> along the way and it was all perfect and you built four franchises without any issues whatsoever. But I'm sure that you've got some kick in the gut moments along the way. So uh, share some of those, one of the, just the biggest kick in the gut moment that you had along the way when you first got started or anywhere along the way? Yeah, so uh, probably it was a combination of both between personal and entrepreneurial. Uh, and it was really, you know, when you when you graduate high school or even when you're in high school or even younger, they tell you, you know, what, what everybody's been telling everybody for the last who knows how long, go to school, graduate, get a good job, and then do that for 40 years. Um, and the kick in the gut was probably maybe a year or two into my uh, corporate life, which only lasted about three and a half years, uh, when I realized that I had never really questioned the status quo and I never really wondered why everybody told us to do that. And then when that moment came, it just really made no sense to me. And it was kind of I was the kick in the gut was really why did I listen to everybody else and not really question anybody up until now? So that really kind of got the wheels turning, uh, you know, and 
really learned that you can really do whatever you want if you don't listen to what everybody else is telling you. So uh, that was probably the first kick in the gut moment, just realizing like, wow, I went to school and did all this. And, uh, you know, so from then until I decided to quit, I really just made the decision to learn everything I can while working in corporate America. I mean, I learned a lot of stuff from a technology standpoint, how to work with people, team building, all that other stuff uh, that I was really able to leverage and take to, you know, owning my own business and building that up. Uh, but, you know, that was probably the biggest kick in the gut of, you know, it took me 20 some years to question the status quo. And I've probably been questioning it ever since once that moment came. So that's a good point. Your your time in the corporate world wasn't a total loss because obviously you picked up some very valuable leadership skills and management skills along the way, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I looked at it, uh, you know, from a long term standpoint of what can I gain from here? You know, from a technology standpoint, how to use all different things and how to, you know, master Excel. And then from a team building and leadership and management and, you know, really taking what I learned in corporate America, the good and the bad, you know, how to treat employees or how not to treat employees, um, you know, how to build a team and how to build good communication, you know, timelines and everything within a team. That really helped when I was building my own team. Uh, when we sold our businesses, we had well over 40 uh, part-time employees and about four full-time employees. So, you know, being able to manage that, I really took a lot of stuff that I learned from the corporate world of what to do and what not to do. And then, you know, from a functionality standpoint, all the, like I said, all the technology and everything else that you learn along the way, uh, it just wasn't something that I wanted to do for my full 40 to 50 year career because there was not much reward in my opinion. And what was you doing in the corporate world? Uh, so I was in the finance world. So I entered the finance world probably at the worst time, uh, late 2000, mid 2007, going into 2008. Oh. And uh, yeah. when you see everybody that's been working there for 20, 30 years get laid off, you know, there was everybody says be loyal to your company. And then when they're laying off people that have been there 20, 30 years and really had no loyalty, they were really getting laid off because they were making more than people like me that they had just hired. Uh, you know, it wasn't uh, wasn't a very fun atmosphere. I was there from 2007 to 2010. So really, you know, the peaks and valleys of the uh, financial crisis, it was really, uh, I realized that everybody says a job is the safest thing and you're crazy to start your own business. But I realized pretty quickly that if you're, own, if you're your own boss, you are in much more control than if somebody else is in control of your future. Yeah, and that's kind of a clue when you come into an industry and everybody around you that's been around, all the veterans are getting laid off. <laughs> that's kind of a clue. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably the moment where I was like, okay, I really need to. Uh, I want to be in control of my final destiny. I want to do something that's fun, rewarding, and I can build you know build something versus building somebody else's business and then really just being a number in a giant corporation that, hey, if we need to cut people, it might be you and it doesn't really matter what you say or do about it. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if the if the veterans are getting laid off around you, then obviously, you know, you don't have a strong hold in the in the company at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're exactly right there. At, at what point did you decide, you know, enough is enough? I'm here. I've been here three years or even probably even before that, you said enough is enough. You did, just finally got up the courage to venture out, and, and you said you're learning along the way and gathering the skills that you knew you needed for your exit. But at what point did you say enough is enough, and you just pulled the plug and said, I'm, I'm out? 
Yeah, so it was probably uh, I started planning for it end of 2009, beginning of 2010, and planning for it was really just saving as much money as I could because I knew I was going to quit my job without having another job because I didn't want to just go to another financial job. So uh, end of 2009, beginning of 2010, started planning, started thinking of what I want to do next. I knew it wasn't living the corporate world and climbing the ladder and doing what everybody else told me to do. So uh, you know, really plan for the next six months. And then June 2010 was when I uh, turned in my resignation and packed up my backpack. My wife and I went to Columbia for two weeks and then uh, she came back. She was actually living in Raleigh at the time. So she came back to Raleigh after two weeks in Columbia visiting her family. And uh, I decided to uh, stick around South America for another six weeks or so and traveled through Ecuador, Peru and Bolivia. And really when you're in places like that, you realize that you don't need a lot to be happy, but at the same time, you know, you only live once. So why do something that you don't want to do? So when I came back, I was determined to not have to go back into that cubicle world, corporate America climb in the ladder. Yeah, you just mentioned one of my favorite places in the whole world, and that is Bolivia. I spent some time down there. I, I absolutely love Bolivia. And you're right, when you're down in areas like that and you see how simple life is, and quite frankly, uh, you know, they have the uh, the reason why I was there was the water droughts. So I was there with a bunch of engineers drilling water wells out in the interior uh-huh. in, uh, in Bolivia. And even in the city in Cochabamba where we were living, you can't have the water on all day long in the right. houses. <laughs> Most of the hotels pay dearly to make sure that they have water for their guests whenever they want it. But most of the residents, they just don't. You have your water and whatever reserve is used up for the day, then that's all you got. Exactly. And even for the week. And you, you kind of take stuff like that for granted. And, you know, we have communities here in the United States that have water issues. And either it's contaminated or there's a drought and, and stuff like that. And in places like Bolivia, that's Tuesday. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. So certainly when you come back, like you said, you have a whole different perspective on life. And you're like, why am I going to continue doing what I don't like when I have other options? And you realize that. And that's cool that you finally you know, figured that out and you and you made the proper exit. You'd saved. You made sure you had the right skills and, and the education and all that stuff that you needed. So how did you end up getting into franchising? What made what made that decision? Uh, so yeah, so I was really just, um, I was looking for a business opportunity that I could run from home and that I didn't take a ton of upfront capital. I didn't want to go into debt and, uh, I had just been flipping through, uh, I was actually back home over the holidays in, uh, Detroit and was at the airport flipping through the entrepreneur magazine, looking for, you know, business ideas, startup businesses, work from home, low cost franchise opportunities, anything like that. And uh, just happened to come across TGA, and when I saw it, I thought to myself, you know, this is probably too good to be true. I'm sure there's already franchises in Raleigh, and I won't be able to do it. Uh, but lo and behold, there wasn't, and it really was just able to combine my passion. I played golf my whole life, just loved sports. I had been coaching when I was in college. I had uh, coached my high school golf team and really just had a passion for kids and coaching. And my sister was a teacher and that kind of got me, you know, got the wheels turning. And my dad had always coached, you know, all of my sports growing up. And then to be able to combine that passion and that, you know, interest and drive with running my own business and using all the business skills that I acquired, you know, through the years, 
uh, was just a perfect fit. So that's really how I fell into it, and it was really just appealing to me because I didn't have to do any of the heavy lifting. All the curriculums were built out. All the business systems were there. It was really, you know, I just had to use all the tools that they were providing and build my own business. So that was, you know, kind of how I got into it. Uh, a little bit of luck, a little bit of chance. Timing is everything, and uh, you know, took made the best best of it and uh, turned it into a pretty successful venture. Yeah, obviously, you know, opening up. So with those four different franchises, were they all in the same area? How did that work? Yeah, so they were all in the Raleigh area. So uh, I started with one. I started with just a golf franchise in uh, the western half of my county. You know, you have an exclusive geographic area. So I was in the western half of our county here in Wake County and then uh, saw the tennis opportunity with TGA as well. It was a separate franchise, but I had already made all these relationships with the schools for our golf program. They loved it. And, uh, you know, when I approached them, said, hey, we want to bring another lifelong sport to the kids, make it more accessible. We provide all the equipment. All we really need is a place to play. They said, perfect, awesome, let's do it. So we were able to really go to all our current schools and add tennis. So then we were running two franchises. And then uh, later on, a couple years later, we expanded uh, to the other half of the county with a golf and tennis franchise. So we owned uh, the golf and tennis franchises in the entire Wake County area, which is you know, where Raleigh's located. So that's kind of how we expanded. And that's, you know, I ran it as one business, uh, had a couple full-time people in place to man their geographic areas. And then I really just hired a whole bunch of coaches that had a passion for kids, loved golf, loved tennis, you know, wanted to give back and wanted to make a little bit of money along the way. What's the average cost of um, starting a franchise? So it, it, you can have one or the other with this franchise, with TGA, either the tennis the, or the golf, or you can have both. Does the, How's the price range? And, and, you know, you don't have to get too much into all that, but I'm sure some of the listeners are wondering about that because there's so many different franchises out there. I would have never even known about TGA had I not, you know, <laughs> ran into your information and, you know, when we first got in contact. Yeah, so the uh, it, it depends on the demographics of your area, population and median household income. But the average is between fifteen and $17,000 to get started. That's for one franchise, golf or tennis. Uh, and if you did, if say you wanted to do golf and tennis because it made business sense, there there is a 25% discount uh, on both of them. So say it's $15,000 each, that'd be $30,000. And then you take 25% off of that. So then you're at 22500 So to me, it was very appealing because it wasn't a huge investment. I knew I could always sell it if it didn't work out. Uh, you know, And to me, the worst case scenario would I would just have to go back to the corporate world until I found another business idea, which... You know, in the long run, wasn't the end of the world because I knew it wouldn't be long term uh, if I did have to go back to the corporate world. But I was pretty determined to make sure I didn't do it. And, uh, you know, I did have to do it. So I uh, actually quit my job July 15th, 2011. So almost uh, five years ago that I haven't had to go into a cubicle. So how long did you have the, the franchise for before you sold so it? When I moved back to Raleigh, uh, I got a job for about six months just to pay the bills until I got everything up and running so just saved all that money until I quit my job to start TGA and then uh, so I ran them for about four and a half years so I quit my job July 15th 2011 and then sold them all October 15th 2015 and then uh, from there I had the opportunity the the headquarters the franchise or TGA saw what I was able to do in Raleigh and you know really was able to build an organization and they wanted to kind of replicate that take my experience take what I'd done here and try and replicate it across the country with other franchises so I really had the opportunity you know like we said before timing is everything put yourself in those situations and you know you never know what's going to happen so I had the opportunity to join that team 
uh, full time. So now I still work from home. I have the opportunity to talk to business owners every day, as well as prospective, you know, franchise owners that are looking at this, see if it's viable for them, and uh, you know, do all the due diligence with them, check out their area, check out the financials, see if it's something that they want to do. Uh, so it's you know now even though it's not directly, I have the opportunity to really impact even more kids than I had on a local level because I'm helping, you know, business owners all across the country. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And I'm sure at the end of the show, we're going to get some contact information so folks can contact you and get more of that technical stuff. But I would like to know, how do you feel that you impacted the community? How was the program received by the children and and the parents? Yeah, so the kids absolutely loved it. Uh, Golf and tennis, you know, historically aren't as accessible at an elementary level as other sports. Uh, they're a little bit more intimidating. If the parents don't play, they don't really know what to do. So the kids really don't get the opportunity to play these sports until much later in life, usually college. And then, you know, they always say, I wish I would have started when I was younger. So the kids love it. About 70% of our kids have never played golf or tennis when they start. Uh, and they really love it because we, you know, basically we had two rules, stay safe and have fun. So it's in a safe environment. It's right after school. The parents don't have to take them anywhere, so it's really convenient. So the parents loved it. The kids are learning life skills. Every class has life skills, character development theme, rules and etiquette lesson, as well as how to play the sport, depending on the week they're going to learn a different shot. So the kids have success. They, they progress through a five-level program, so there's a sense of achievement. And really, a lot of the kids that love it are ones that just aren't totally into team sports yet they're doing this in a group atmosphere with their friends so it's not as intimidating you know they really come out of their shell and they really grow as a person so really you know i would see kids and parents and families all the time out and about in the town and they'll still remember you hey coach paul how's it going you know they got their tga hat on they're loving it uh so you know it's really a win-win for everybody we, we give a lot of money back to the schools, so the schools, you know, see it as an opportunity to raise funds for whatever their initiatives are. The parents see it as an opportunity to get their kids active in a convenient way, an accessible way. We provide all the equipment so they didn't have to invest in any equipment until their kid likes it. And, you know, then they can go out and buy their own golf clubs or tennis rackets. And then obviously the kids love it uh, just because it's something fun to do. And, you know, the coaches even loved it a lot of our coaches when out when they'd start working for us they'd say i can't believe that i'm getting paid to do this because it's so much fun because you just <laughs> see that you know that aha moment that these kids have the first time they hit the ball in the air the first time they hit it over the net uh you know high five in their friends and you know having success is really the name of the game so yeah so it's really uh really gratifying really rewarding and it's you know in my opinion it's a win-win for all the parties involved and you mentioned some other skills that the that the children learn along the way, other than just the sport. You mentioned some other etiquette skills and some other skills. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? That that really intrigues me. Yeah. So uh, TGA is an all-encompassing enrichment program. So they learn every every uh, session that they go. They go they go to your class once a week. So every every week they're going to learn a different character development trait. So just an example of some of them. You know, courtesy, responsibility, respect, sportsmanship, honesty. What is it? Why is it important? How do we do it in those sports? How do we do it at home? How do we do it in school? Uh, you know, rules and etiquette are very important in really anything but golf and tennis. Being kind of self-officiated, especially golf, there is no referee, so it's a game of honesty. So you really need to know the rules and etiquette. So every week we have our own rules and etiquette lesson depending on what the curriculum says. It could be how to keep score. It could be, you know, how to count penalty shots, uh, how to calculate distance. So there's a lot of academic lessons uh, and now we're actually adding STEM to our curriculum. So science, technology, engineering, math, 
very basic. It's all elementary kids, but, you know, why does a golf ball fly further than any other ball? You know, what happens if we change the angle of a racket? Does the ball go up or down? So, you know, they really do learn a lot of stuff, you know, basic history of these sports. So that way when, you know, their parents ask them what they do or when they're talking about these sports, they not only they not only know how to hit the ball, but they know about the sport and they really become a student of the game. So uh, it's a ton of fun. You know, they're both lifelong sports and you learn so much really in any sport. You know, you learn so much on just how to navigate this world and how to get along with others and perseverance and how to keep going, you know, and how to set goals, all that kind of stuff. It, it is it's pretty cool to watch, you know, a kid progress from kindergarten all the way up to fifth grade. You know, you watch them go through your program and how excited they get and their parents and then their parents start playing. So it really does become a pretty, you know, full circle type of enrichment program. Yeah, you just answered the the next question I had for you, which is how do parents get involved? Do they actually get involved in the process during that session or ultimately, eventually they get into, you know, on the weekends or in the afternoon or whatever they're playing with their kids? Yeah, so the, the the goal of our after-school program is really to give all the kids all the tools they need to go then play at the golf course or play at the tennis courts. And then we transition them with programs. We partner up with local golf courses and tennis facilities to run these type of programs. So you could have parent-child events. Those are always a big hit. You know, family fun days, festivals, um, play days, junior golf leagues, parent-child golf leagues, uh, parent-child doubles tournaments, that type of stuff in tennis. Uh, you know, really to get the whole family involved. And that's really what they like because they realize that, you know, there's not many sports that I can play with my kid. And then especially, you know, when my kid gets older, there's really nothing that we, you know, you can't go play soccer when you're 40, 50 years old as easy as you can, you know, golf or tennis. And it's really just, you know, the beauty of these sports is it's not really age dependent. So grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, mom, dad, other sister, cousins, you can all go play golf. You can all go play tennis. You know, and you can be 40, 50, 60, 70 years apart. So we really do, you know, encourage that family atmosphere, make it fun, make it inviting. Uh, and really, you know, like we said at the beginning, most of our kids have never played and most of the kids have never played. Most of the parents haven't. So, you know, there are opportunities to run, you know, adult clinics and that type of stuff as well, because the parents see how much fun their kids having and their kid keeps bugging them. Let's go play golf. Let's go play tennis. And if the parents don't know how. They need some place to learn as well, which is, you know, they already know, like, and trust us. So they'll come to us and say, hey, I want to learn golf just like my kid did. Well, I'm going to have to check and see if there's a program like that out here in, in Hawaii. There isn't yet, but uh, we're always looking to expand, and we do get some inquiries from Hawaii, so you never know. Yeah, because, I mean, I've got a tennis court right here in my community, and there's one for the high school that my son goes to, and I've got a six-year-old as well, and there's a golf course on every corner. Nice out here it's just and they're <laughs> everywhere so um i mean everything from the top ranked golf courses to you know the community type golf courses where you don't right. have to pay a million bucks to be a member exactly we're getting ready to get into the pay it forward round you ready for that paul i'm ready if you are men of abundance one thing i want to point out that you may have noticed amongst all of the guests that i've had on the show so far is all of them have some sort of daily habits that they follow, myself included. In fact, for the last five years, one of my daily habits that I have not missed is drinking a dense nutrition shake every single morning after my workout. I had never been a fan of any protein shakes or 
nutrition shakes or nutrition drinks or anything of that nature. I did get into smoothies at one time, but making smoothies, quite frankly, is very expensive and very messy in most cases. But about five years ago, my doctor told me that I had to do something about my cholesterol. Ironically enough, as it happens, divine intervention, call it what you want, I was introduced to this dense nutrition shake that completely turned my cholesterol around. On top of that, I had more energy, my esophageal reflux went away, my chronic joint pain wasn't nearly as bad, and I shed some weight, all within the first 28 days. I can talk all day long about what just 30 days of this dense nutrition shake will do for you. But until you try this stuff out yourself, you're going to continue to be as skeptical as I was. The cool thing is, is you can try Shakeology with absolutely no risk whatsoever. There's a bottom of the bag, 100% 30-day money-back guarantee. That means you can consume the entire 30-day bag. And if you don't see or feel the difference in your body, or you otherwise just are not completely satisfied, you can send the empty bag back and get all of your money back, no questions asked. And there are multiple different flavors you can try. Now my favorite flavor is the green berry and the strawberry. My wife loves the vanilla and we both like the coffee latte. There's also chocolate and there's also a vegan chocolate and a vegan tropical strawberry. And there are even sample packs so you can try the various flavors. So to learn more about the benefits of Shakeology, go to menofabundance.com forward slash resources or just go to menofabundance.com click on the resources tab scroll down to the health and nutrition part and you're going to see the Shakeology tab click on that take a look and if you have any questions whatsoever get a hold of me I'll be happy to help all right let's get back to the show awesome you've already shared so much information with everybody I don't know how you're going to possibly <laughs> top that but I'm sure you've got something set up for I'll us. see what I can do fire away Awesome. So give men of abundance one to three actionable steps that they can act on today, either, you know, when it comes to starting a franchise or getting out of their corporate cubicle or whatever, you know, job that they're not really in love with. Uh, so give us three actionable steps. Yeah. So I would say the first one is super simple. Just take the first step. So I realized, and as I talked to more and more entrepreneurs, just taking that first step, it's not as bad as you think it'll be. So um, you know, kind of playing off that, even if you completely fail, you've probably learned a ton along the way and then you're able to make a better decision, but you're never able to improve if you never get started. So just get started. It's not that bad. Uh, even if you fail face first, uh, I always say fail forward, learn from it, make the process better and then keep going. Uh, and then another one is, you know, st if, if you're not happy with what you're doing, stop complaining and take control. So you are in control. Uh, I know it doesn't always seem that way, but stop complaining, take control, you know, and then the last one really is, you know, this one kind of hit me when I was looking to exit the corporate world. Um, there's 168 hours in every week and you're going to work, even if you're working in a corporate job, maybe you're working 40 to 60 hours a week, you're probably going to sleep another 40 to 60 hours a week, but that leaves another good, you know, 50 plus hours of free time. So obviously you're going to spend some with your family, but even if you have... 20 to 25 hours free each week, start working on what you want to do for the rest of your life. You know, and if it's not what you're doing right now, invest that time, look at the long-term plan and uh, just get started. There's so many resources out there. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're listening to a lot of others. I found podcasts so helpful to get me where I want to go. I mean, I listen to them every day, whether I'm running, cutting the grass, doing anything, working. I always have a podcast going because I'm always learning and just keep investing in yourself. 
I haven't listened to the radio in months. I don't <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All I do is listen to podcasts, man. I hear you. We can never say we can't. We don't have enough information in today's day and age. That's for sure. Yeah, between podcasts and Google, you should be able to. You can learn whatever you want for next yeah. to nothing. You know, there's enough free information out there to get you started. You just got to put in a little bit of time and effort. Absolutely, most definitely. So, what daily habits make the biggest impact on your life? Uh, I would say wake up early, eat a good breakfast. So that, I mean, the way you start your day, if you start your day off on the right foot, uh, you're going to be setting yourself up for success. So I usually get up about five o'clock, not as early as you, Wally, but five o'clock, uh, I can get a lot done before most people are even at work. So wake up early, eat a good breakfast, super important to, you know, what you put into your body, it's going to produce a lot more energy and a lot more, you know, focus if you're eating a healthy breakfast. And then really, um, especially when you're your own boss, even if you're not going back to, you know, what are you going to do with your time? Uh, I always set my schedule a week ahead of time and kind of time block everything. So I know from 7 to 10 o'clock I'm working on this and then from 10 to 12 I'm working on this. And then when you are blocking off that time, always schedule in time for, you know, family and personal time to make sure uh, you're keeping a you know, decent balance within your lifestyle. What book would you recommend to Men of Abundance and why? Uh, that's a great question. And uh, ever since I've been on this entrepreneurial venture, I'm always reading a book at least one a month. But probably the one that got me started was The Go-Giver uh, by Bob Berg, I believe. And it's really just a great story about changing your mindset from getting to giving. So when you give first, you're going to get a lot more in return. And then, if, and, and then if you're really focused on getting, when you're focused on getting Nothing really ever comes of it, but when you're focused on giving, you know, you're going to get a lot more at the end of the day. So Go-Giver by Bob Berg, definitely recommend it. It's a quick read, great story, uh, and it's one that kind of sparked me on this entrepreneurial venture. I'll have all the resources and everything that you've just mentioned in the show notes. At the end of Men of Abundance's 12-month anniversary, we are going to be giving to various charities any revenue that we have. So a portion of our revenue is going to go towards various charities. And I give my guests the opportunity to mention a charity that you resonate with that you would like to uh, give to by name. Uh, we'll give on your behalf. Uh, so what charity would that be? Well, that has to be a, that's a very easy question for me. Uh, TGA actually has a 501c3 nonprofit. So it's the TGA Sports Foundation. And uh, we raise funds through that on a local and national level to uh, bring our programs to everybody, regardless of how much, you know, how much they can afford. So we provide financial aid and scholarships to, you know, at risk youth, disabled youth and anybody that wants to play, uh, regardless of if they can afford it or not. So TGA Sports Foundation. And I will have TGA uh, listed on the giving page at menofabundance.com, so you can go there and check that out. So I have one last question for you, Paul. You ready? I'm ready. Awesome. What does living a life of abundance mean to you? Uh, really just doing something that you love while impacting people along the way. Uh, I realized, like I said, in corporate America, that it wasn't adding any value to the world. Uh, and I was really just building somebody else's business and really it was just the stockholders business. So uh, really just doing something you love while impacting others. When you do this, all the other parts of your life are going to be greatly amplified, your personal life, your family life, you know, and you're not going to be dreading Mondays and you're not going to, you know, Friday afternoons aren't going to be as exciting as they are uh, when you're in corporate America. But every day, you know, I'm super excited about what opportunities are out there. And when you're doing something you love while impacting others, it makes it a lot easier. So leave us with a uh, parting piece of guidance and a way for others to get a hold of you or, you know, see what you're doing. And uh, if anybody wants any more information about the franchise, if they want to 
possibly open one up out here in Hawaii, that would be definitely welcome. <laughs> and I would love to see that. Yeah. So uh, my parting piece of advice is, I mean, you hear it all the time in different contexts, but you only live once. And uh, when you're 80, 90 years old, make sure you have no regrets. If you want to start a business, just go do it. Make mistakes, you know, fail, learn from dust yourself off and keep going so if you want to move move if you want to you know stop doing stuff you hate then stop doing stuff you hate you know when when it's all said and done you don't want to have any regrets so build your dreams don't build somebody else's and uh, if you want more information on tga head on over to franchise tga.com slash moa for men of abundance so we have a, a welcome page just for all of your listeners out there you can schedule a call with me to further discuss the opportunity if you're interested there's a free survey there to see if it's right for you and then there's a ton of information on owning a tga business if you want to reach out to me personally uh twitter i'm fairly active on twitter my twitter handle is just my name paul maskill or you can reach out to me email directly i'm uh, always responding to emails pretty quickly and that's just p maskill at playtga.com Awesome, Paul. I really appreciate what you do, man. And and it's so important to grab a hold of our kids at an early age, get them involved in the community, teach them the stuff that you're teaching them through TGA. And uh, it's just an amazing program. You're an amazing guy, and I truly appreciate your time. Thank you, Wally. I appreciate you for having me on the show today. My pleasure. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance. 